0: Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. So last service, last service I had my my oldest daughter with me and and she she was well behaved. And she was, you know, dancing and, and going in and whatnot. And I was holding her hand and I was holding her hand. And there was a point that her grip got a little soft. Not because she was trying to get away, but she was just, you know, overcome by the music. But guess whose grip was stronger than hers? My grip, her father. So so yeah, hold on, hold on. But the dope thing is we don't have to depend on our strength. We get to depend on the the strength of the father and his grip is never soft, ever. And I thank God for that. You all can have a seat. That was eerie. <laughs> was, that, was that a response? <laughs> uh, uh, my name is Warner. Um, as you can see, Pastor B is not here today, but uh, he will be back next week. He is excited, and so are we to have him back and to uh, just get all the, the yummy goody things that he's been, uh, been meditating and, and praying about while he's been on his well-deserved sabbatical. Um, so for today, you got me, Um, If you don't like uh, how I preach or what I said, I promise you, I won't be up here next week. So we get to the other main guys here. Um, So listen, uh, we're going to go to Jonah. Let's let's dive right in. Uh, The book of Jonah, uh, chapter one. Jonah is situated right between Micah and Obadiah. Obadiah, I like saying that. Obadiah. Not enough kids named Obadiah anymore, in my opinion. That's neither here nor there. Um, if you also, if you have uh, a Bible and you can also put a, a, um, a bookmark at Matthew chapter 14 uh, uh, verses 22. I'm going to go to 22 to 23. Um, this is a little uh, lengthy, so I'll read it. I'm going to read from the Amplified. Um, so, uh, you, you know, uh, you'll understand that there's a little bit of difference. Um, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, go to Nineveh. That great city and proclaim judgment against it for their wickedness has come up before me but Jonah ran away to Tarshish to escape from the presence of the Lord and his duty as his prophet he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish so he paid the fare and went down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord but the Lord hurled a great wind toward the sea and there was a violent tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors were afraid and each man cried out to his God. I want you to underline that if you can or highlight it. Each man cried out to his God and to lighten the ship, they threw the ship's cargo into the sea. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of his ship and had laid down and was sound asleep. So the captain came up to him and said, how can you stay asleep? Get up. Call on your God. Perhaps your God will give a thought to us so that we will not perish. And they said to another, come, let us cast lots so we may learn who is to blame for this disaster. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, now tell us who is to blame for this disaster. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? So he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. And I reverently, fear the, uh, I reverently fear and worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the, men, then the men became extremely frightened and said to him, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was running from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what should we do to you so that the sea will become calm for us? <laughs> for the sea was becoming more and more violent. Jonah said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard, breaking through the waves to return to land, but they could not, because the sea became even more violent, surging higher against them. Then they called on the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, do not let us perish because of taking this man's life, and do not make us accountable for innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as you please. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The name of this talk today is called A Tale of, Storms, of the Storms. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, um, for your goodness and for your grace, mercy, all the things that we habitually take for granted, Father. We thank you, Lord. Um, we confess that we need you. I need you, Father, um, not just in this moment, but for all moments. However, especially in this moment, Father, we need to hear what it is you have for us, Father. We need to see what it is you want us to see, and we need to receive, um, Father. And I would put myself in that category as well, Father. So open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and hearts to receive what it is you have for us, Father. May the words of my mouth be yours, Father. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, you know, one of the things that you get hip to in uh, premarital Course, or at least the primato that I took, um, one of the things you get hit to, one of the things they give you a heads up on is uh, what I call um, the three contentions of uh, marriage. Um, essentially, those are the, the top three things that uh, couples will fuss about. They're absolutely more. But these are the three kind of, I guess, the, the main things, I would imagine. Um, the first one, in no particular order, uh, is money. 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 Uh, Uh, Finance, you know, uh, uh, one person spends too much, one person doesn't spend enough, uh, figuring out how to allocate it, and all those things, right? So that's the one. The second one is sex, right? And a hush came over the room. Uh, Yes, sex. Uh, One person wants it too much, other person doesn't want it enough, (laughs) like that. Although that can be some of it. Um, And how to allocate it. No, that doesn't. that, That doesn't. That, that, that doesn't fit with that one. Um, uh, so that's the second one. And the third one uh, is children. Um, you know, and it makes sense. It makes sense. You have these two uh, people, two broken people, two broken people coming from, having two different life experiences, coming from two different places, um, with two different uh, things in mind of how to, uh, you know, pour into this life. Two people that are equally as invested in this Little person, they both love them equally, so it makes sense that there would be some contention now the The, the task is to get you somebody whose um, sensibilities ain't that far away. You know you don't want to get someone who you know thinks night is day and day is night, you know what I'm saying. But um, you will, you know, fuss a little bit because you you both are invested in this thing, in, in this in this child. More particularly with children. Is uh, the 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 area of how much, if at all, um, should you allow this child to hurt? How much should you allow this child to go through hardship? How much should you allow? How much, if any, should you allow this uh, child to suffer? Dare I say, go through sorrow? I mean, the, the the easy answer, you know, the almost obvious answer would be like zero. You don't allow them to suffer. You don't allow your kids to hurt. I mean, that's parenting 101. We protect our kids. Like, that's, like, in there. You know, you know what I'm saying? In fact, one could even be arrested, you know, if the, the thing is high enough. Now, listen, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, destroying, you know, if the, if the question is whether or not should we allow our kids to be destroyed or killed. I'm talking about old-fashioned, red-blooded pain. How much, if at all, should we as parents, caregivers, guardians, allow our children to go through pain? I mean, what decent, loving parent would allow their kid to purposely go through pain, especially if they could stop it? Like, who does that? What parent, what decent, loving parent would allow their child to hurt Hold that question. Um, we'll, we'll circle back to the, you know, over these last couple of weeks, we've had the, the all, anyone who's been here and online, we've had the, the privilege of having um, just four uh, 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 speakers come in and really like open the scriptures and really teach, man. Like we, we've been blessed. I know I've been blessed to glean what they have. And, and what's been so dope is they've been so different from each other. Um, but, but equally devoted to unpacking scripture, exegeting texts, you know, like it's been like really like a meal every, every Sunday. Um, uh, just to give a little background, you know, none of the, 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 speakers that have gotten up here, at least in this last month, you know, we haven't like checked in with each other, right, Tim? Like we haven't like called each other to check in and see, all right, you know, what are you preaching on? You know, let me, uh, let me see if I can, you know, uh, dovetail that into my thing or whatnot. Like there, there's been no communication. We, uh, Pastor B asked us, you know, what we, uh, you know, if we'd be available, if we, if we agree, we go home, we pray, we meditate, we study, you know, we lean heavy on God and we present to the best of our ability with the Holy Spirit what it is we have. What I found fascinating by these last four weeks is that there has been with the, outside of the gospel, thankfully, everybody, every uh, speaker has presented the gospel, and I would also include when Andrea came up. I remember when she came up, and and when Chelsea came up, like just gave profound words that really, really stuck. Um, what what I've been fascinated by is the 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 consistent, uh, common through line that has been through all four speakers, and consequently myself too, without even designing it that way. I'm going to just check me out real quick. So I'm going to revert back to my notes that I took when uh, in, in these past weeks. So first week we had Pastor Watson Joan III, right? And his talk was called Keep It 100. He was coming from Psalm 137. And I, and I, and I wrote down my notes, I, uh, it was about pain with regard to lament. And I put down lamenting the painful realities we all go through. And I quoted him as saying this. He said, God uses painful moments As spaces for us to express our raw and real feelings to him. Check me out. God uses what? Painful moments for what purpose? As spaces for us to express our raw and real feelings to him. Second week. Good Reverend Dr. Caleb Merlane. He's not going to like that I called him that. But i will called you that first service. You're getting it now if you're watching. The good Reverend Dr. Caleb Merlane just, just face-melted us, man, with such a, a dynamic word. And, and his was um, True Love Waits, coming from John 11. And I wrote in my notes that at the core of what Caleb taught us, he says, within Jesus' love of us, he sometimes allows us to wait a while for his aid. He delays his deliverance. He impedes his rescue, allowing the distress, hardship, hurt, sorrow, and even pain to continue just long enough to accomplish his perfect purpose, uh, i.e. our maturity, our sanctification, our trust, and dependency in him for his glory. And I quoted uh, Caleb as saying this, God sometimes has us in a waiting season to show us what our idols are. And, 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 And check this out. He said, God will sometimes strategically throw trouble at you just to bring you back to him. God will what? Throw what? Trouble at you for what purpose? Just to bring you back to Him. Third week, Pastor Craig came up. It's not how you start, it's how you finish, right? Not, not, not 10 seconds after he, after he comes up here and, and he, he quotes a song that Andre initially gave to him, a song that has been living rent free in my head ever since. That, that Jonathan McReynolds song, the lyrics of this is May your struggles keep you near the cross. May your troubles show that you need God. May your battles end the way they should, and may your bad days prove that God is good. May, all, may your whole life prove that God is good. Check this out. May your what? Your struggles do what purpose? Keep you near the cross. May your what? Your troubles do what purpose? Show that you need God. May your bad days do what? Prove that God is good. Are you tracking? But he went on to describe how like people like uh, Peter and and Paul and Timothy, who lived exemplary lives, healing the sick, uh, 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 preaching the gospel, uh, making Jesus communities, how they lived these exemplary lives, and yet they died martyrs. They lived great lives, but their greatness was not devoid of suffering. In fact, their greatness included suffering. Lastly, Pastor Timmy came up, and i, I put this in my notes. It, uh, uh, he blessed his. His was called uh, Salt and Light, Be Salt and Light. And it's about finding identity. And I wrote this in my notes. And for those that were here, you know, it said, I said, uh, uh, salt provides flavor, but it also gets rid of the boo-boo smell. <laughs> Anyone who's here knows exactly what I'm, t- what's there, knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but, 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 it, but it had me thinking that, you know, in order for salt to be, uh, to be used to as great as effectiveness, number one, it has to leave the confines and the comfortability of the salt shaker. That's number one. That's automatic. In order for it to even attempt to uh, fulfill its purpose, it has to, has to be emptied out. But number two, in order for that salt to even do the thing that it was designed to do, it first has to be buried into the meat or to the ice, then dissolve and or be crushed in order for it to have its effectiveness. It has to be crushed, dissolved, buried before it reaches its full purpose. Do you see a pattern? You see a pattern? Struggle, trouble, crushing, pain for a purpose. Struggle, crushing, pain, trouble for God's good purpose. Every speaker, whether they planned it this way or not, had what's called a theology of suffering. Now, that is a, a, a teaching series in and of itself, but essentially, is, life is hard. And I don't mean that in a diminutive way. I mean, for real, for real. Life is hard. Struggle is a part of life. And I'll go a step further. Not only struggle is a part, struggle is a normal part of life lived in a broken world with broken people. It is a part of it. It is baked into the the, the dough of life. It's automatic. Jesus even promised it to us. I mean, he was speaking to his disciples and by way of them, us. He says in John 16, that in this life, you will have tribulation. Tribulation can be, uh, um, can be uh, another word for tribulation, uh, uh, trouble. You, you will have trouble. You will have struggle. You will have persecution. You will have sorrow, Christian. Not maybe, not it's a good chance. Bruh, it's a fact. You will have it. Christian. Jesus said this to his disciples that they will have it, but he also gives us hope at the end of that too. Um, so listen, my, 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 my thesis is this. My thesis is this. Number one, sh- trials, struggle, suffering, hardship, and, and for the purpose of today or you know, just to uh, make it make sense, I'm going to use the word storms. Storms are a normal part of life particularly a Christian life, a life walked with Jesus, lived in a broken world, lived amongst broken people, ourselves included. Now, with that, knowing that, really knowing, receiving, and accepting that actually makes the struggle bearable. Hear me out. You build a bandwidth. If, if I know going in that, uh, that, that, that I could expect hardship, it actually creates a bigger bandwidth that I could accept adversity. It's like, it's like, imagine going to a gym and you didn't know that uh, lifting a 60-pound uh, barbell was hard. You know what I'm saying? Or, or getting on a treadmill and running a mile or two miles was hard. You would t- be like, yo, man, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. You know what I'm saying? But the reason why some of us do go to the gym or do work out, you know, given the struggle that is, is because we understand that, yes, this comes with it. The, 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 the pain of muscles ripping comes with working out, comes with getting in shape. So we accept it. Not only accept it, some of us get a, a natural high with it, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because we know this is a part. And not only do we know it's a part of it, but we know that it's ultimately for our good. But that's later. Number two. So that's number one. Number two. God is oftentimes the author and or orchestrator of those storms, both the ones that hurt and the ones that heal. And many times, if not every time, the ones that hurt and heal are the same. And even in the ones that are self-inflicted, God is sovereign that in not allowing those storms to last one moment past what he purposed for the storm to do. And number three, purpose is attached to every storm known and unknown, received in this life or the next. And moreover, good purpose is attached to these storms. You know, and if we, and if we believe what the Bible says in First John, God is love. And if God is love, and, I, and by love, I, by God is love, I mean not, that, not just that God does loving things or he thinks love is a great sentimental, you know, like he sentiment. No, God is actually the physical embodiment, the, 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 the uh, impression, the manifestation of love. So everything that comes from God comes out of love, both the blessing and the correction, both the favor and the rebuke and the hardship comes out of love. And number two, um, the purpose of the storms is always for our good. Um, That's Romans 8.28. And and Romans 8.29 tells you ultimately what our good entails. Our good entails us being made into the image of Christ. So uh, in, a, in a little bit of time we have, I'm going uh, to go back to Jonah. I want to unpack these two sections of scripture very, very quickly. Um, Jonah and Matthew. Let's, let's go back to Jonah. Um, so, you know, we read through, just to put in, just to recap, so Jonah is a prophet of God. He's a prophet of God and God, uh, I was going to say asks him, but he doesn't. God commands him to go to Nineveh and preach repentance to these people because they have been, you know, doing stuff that would call for God's judgment and, and God in his grace and mercy actually uh, commands Jonah to go down there and preach them uh, repentance. Jonah says, no, I'm not going to do it. It's actually a good study if you want to find out exactly why he did that because um, there's some things with Nineveh and maybe his mental state that was kind of... Uh, kind of uh, not good, I guess. Uh, but yeah, but that that'd be a good thing to check out. But he, uh, um, nevertheless, he says no. He says no, and he instead uh, 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 tries to flee from God uh, to uh, uh, Tarshish. Now, just to put this on a map, so uh, uh, Joppa, I believe, was north or south of Nineveh, one of those things. But it was about, about five, a uh, little over five hundred miles from from uh, from one another. That's like from like the northernmost top of Maine, the state of Maine, to like Brooklyn. So that's where he was originally supposed to go, right? But instead he gets, a, he, he gets on a boat uh, out of Joppa going towards Tarshish. Tarshish is over 2,000 miles west. So that's like, instead of going to Brooklyn, I'm gonna go to Cali. <laughs> Running from God. And let's pick up on, uh, on verse four and see what happens. So after all that, but the Lord, but the Lord hurled a great wind toward the sea. And there was a violent tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. But the Lord hurled a great wind. This storm came from a loving God. This storm came from a God toward his prophet, a person that we can assume, I think with a lot of certainty that God loved. He sent him a storm. He sent him a storm. He sent a storm because of his disobedience. But the storm was still sent by God. It wasn't sent by the devil. It wasn't sent by a demon. It was sent by God. Let's read on. Verse 5. Then the sailors were afraid, and each man cried out to his God. I asked you before, if you could, just to highlight or, or spend, uh, 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 like underline this verse. Then the sailors were afraid, and each man cried out to his God. Let's, let's scoot down to verse 11. Then the men became extremely frightened because of the storm and everything that was happening, and said to him, to... Uh, to, uh, to Jonah, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was running from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what should we do to you so that the sea will be calm for us? For the sea was, I didn't, I didn't catch this before. They're saying, okay, how's going to be calm for us? Because you seem like you still want to disobey, but we're going to obey. How can it be calm for us? And you know what? They were right. They were right. For the sea was becoming more and more violent. Check out what Jonah says. Jonah said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard, breaking through the waves to return to land. But they could not because the sea became even more violent, surging higher against them. Why didn't Jonah tell them to take him back to Nineveh? It seemed like an easy fix. Like he's, I mean, he's, he's keeping it a buck. Like he's saying like, listen, it's because of me. All right, I, look, I, I confess because of me. God told me to do something. I'm being a knucklehead. I'm not doing it. So, you know what? I, you can't run from God. So, okay, take me back to Nineveh. But he doesn't. He instead asked these people, these men who we read or we can assume from verse four, that they weren't, they weren't Hebrews. They weren't followers of Yahweh. They weren't, you know, they were, they were men who worshiped other gods. He tells them or suggests to them, Tells them to throw him overboard. Guess what? The sea was still raging. The sea was still raging. It wasn't, that, it wasn't stopping. So essentially, he was telling these men to kill him. He would rather commit suicide than do what God told him to do. He would, he would rather do that. And check this out. To, to his, the, the storm did stop for them. But this man ended up in a fish for three days. Why? Because he, there was still rebellion there. There was still rebelling and he needed a couple more days to stew. Now, what this shows me, because here's the thing. Yeah, he wasn't going to Tarshish anymore, but he also wasn't going back to Nineveh. What that tells me is that half obedience is still full disobedience. Half obedience is still full disobedience. If God, if you know God wants you to do something and you you know in your you know holiness but trying to be one foot in one foot out you you abstain from something but that's you know God look here's here's one uh morning, man uh, bro you know me and my girlfriend yo we stopped having sex man we stopped having sex it's been hard but we did you know we stopped doing that bro that's cool that's that's great but I thought you had said God didn't want you to be with her ain't that what the what the thing was. Not having sex. That's great. That's that's you get two start. But God told you not to be with her. Half obedience is full disobedience. I wonder, man, I'm not. uh, God convicted me. You know, uh, gossip is wrong. And, you know, I stopped gossiping because, you know, I know that's wrong because the Bible says don't gossip. Since that's great. That is fantastic. But I thought you had said that God didn't want you fooling around them people. That company corrupts good character. God told you not to be around them. Half obedience is still full uh, full disobedience. Let's go down to verse 14. Then they called on the Lord and said, please, O Lord, do not let us perish because of, because of taking this man's life and do not make us accountable for innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as you please. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. This storm is an example of, this is a storm that originated with God. You know, God sent it. It wasn't any other entity. It was God. It was also because of Jonah's disobedience, you know. But this storm didn't just affect Jonah. It affected other people. It affected these men on the boat. It affected these men on the boat who ain't had nothing to do with this. Like what, you know what I'm saying? Like they, you know, they God didn't call them to any, you know, go to Nineveh. Yet they are experiencing the storm caused by Jonah's disobedience. They're experiencing hardship. Because of someone else. Let me let me let me say this. There, there, are, um, there are some in here uh, who are experiencing hardship and experience, and suffering and, and going through just God knows what. And I'm gonna keep it, I'm keep it, keep it stacked with you, because of your stupidity. And I can say that because I also <laughs> I also suffer <laughs> self inflicted from stupidity. It's because of your own nonsense is because of, you know, that God told you not to do something or engage with something or someone, and yet you're doing it and you are feeling the effects of that. Now, you may have tried other things, you know, like books to say, oh, but girl, you are enough, but God, you are enough. No, you don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. Let me squash that. Yes, you do. Because you did that. You caused this. This is your storm. Right? So that's some of us in here. But there's also some in here that you are and have been for a while enduring the storm caused by someone else's foolishness, someone else's sin, someone else's uh, abuse or misuse of something else or even you. Maybe it's a parent. You are living with the after effects and the blowback of their sin. It didn't have nothing to do with you, but you're living it. Maybe some mate. Maybe some mate. And you're living with the blowbacks of their fall, of their consistent sin. Their trauma is bleeding on you. And it didn't have nothing to do with you. And it sucks. And it's and, and there's and there's an element of feeling that it's unfair. But check this out. Again, that storm wasn't for the, the, the sailors, but, but check this out. Even though it wasn't for them. It was for them. So verse four. So verse. So I'm sorry. Verse five. Then the sailors. Then the sailors were afraid, and each man cried out to his god. So by first, at verse five, they cried out to their god. The storm comes, ravages everything. Let's 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 hop down to verse uh, fourteen. Check them out. Then they called on the Lord. At first, they were calling on their gods. Please help us. Silence. Nothing happened. The storm comes. Oh, Lord, please help us. Please help us. Let's, let's keep going. Uh, please, O oh Lord, do not let us perish. Uh, uh, it says, you, O oh Lord, have done as you please. And the last verse, then the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. If not for that storm, it could be argued that those men would have stayed in whatever uh, uh, mindless, uh, uh, powerless religion that they were in. But because of the storm, because of a storm that had have nothing to do with them. At the end of that, they, they end up uh, respecting, trusting in, uh, fearing the Lord, reverencing the Lord. Again, you're, you're, uh, the people that are, that, that are experiencing storms caused by someone else is, is bad. But guess what? You don't have to wallow in that. You don't have to. Tim, Tim, you don't have to let that be your identity. That doesn't have to be your identity. There's something in that for you if you would just... For a minute, and I know it's hard, and I know it is. It feels it, it, it is inciting, but there is something in there for you. And I and I, and I, and, I would, and I would and I would wager that there is something in it for you that is beautiful, that is upbuilding, even in that storm that wasn't meant for you, but really was meant for you. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. <laughs> May your troubles show that you need God may your bad days Mm. Um, matthew matthew 14 matthew 14. (laughs) immediately they made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds and after he had dismissed the crowds he went up on the mountain by himself to pray Uh, when when evening came and evening this is like 3 a.m to 6 a.m uh when evening came he was there alone but the boat by this time was a long way away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, was, which was, again, now it was 3 to 6 a.m., he came to them, Jesus, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he, G, uh, when, when he, Peter, saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. For context, Jesus had just... Uh, uh, preached and, and fed or fed uh, 5,000 plus men, women, and children with five loaves of bread and, and two fish, right? So afterwards, which can be expected, these people wanted to stay, you know, chop it up with them, try to, you know, get more information, whatever it was. I, I'm sure I would have been one of them. Um, so, he, so Jesus tells his disciples to get into the boat, start going across the sea, I'll catch up to you. Sidebar, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm like, what, you gonna swim? How are you... No like no one thought to question this. This is not weird. Fine, okay. Fine, we'll go and you'll catch up to us. So they so they go, they go, they go on to see and Jesus, you know, he uh you know uh does what he does with the crowd, tells them to go away, then he goes up to pray, and then he starts out, right? So by this time it's three to six AM in the morning. It's dark. It's dark. Let me ask you this. You think God you think Jesus knew that there was a storm coming? I, I think we could, I, th- I think we could rightly assess that he, he uh, assumed that he did. I mean, you know, and, and I believe in Mark, it says that, you know, the, the disciples say that who is this man that, you know, even the, the wind and the waves obey. So, you know, we can, you know, Jesus uh, has control over the elements. Um, he walks on water. So we can uh, kind of assume safely that he has some precognitive notion that there's a storm coming, right? So Jesus knows that a, st- that a storm is coming. He sends his disciples into it. Jesus knowingly sends the disciples in whom he loves, in whom haven't done anything, you know, at least particularly wrong in this case, he sends them purposely into a storm. And not to storm a storm in the dark. Jesus does this to people that he loved. He sends them into something that they are fearing for the death. They, they haven't read the rest of this, this, this chapter. They don't know that Jesus is coming out walking on water. They are out in the middle of a a, a sea with no land, with a violent, violent storm uh, uh, tipping over the boat, rocking it. They don't don't know that they, they could possibly drown. Their life can end that day. Yet Jesus purposely sends them that. And listen, had they not done what Jesus told them to do, they were in danger of disobedience. If they didn't go into the storm that Jesus commanded them to, they would have been in disobedience. Look, there are, are, listen, there there are enough struggles and trouble out there that I'm, I'm not saying you go and look for them. They will find you, trust. They will find you. However, there are some struggle, trouble, suffering, sorrow that Jesus is telling you to walk into that. Now, in Jesus' wisdom, I believe, he didn't tell them that y'all about to come to the storm for their, probably for their own good, because had they known, they probably wouldn't have done it. And I thank God, all, and, I, and I'm saying it with such you know, confidence now, but I thank God that God keeps us ignorant at what's to come sometimes. We so want to know what the future is. Sometimes, uh, no, you don't, because if you did, you wouldn't walk. So Jesus purposely tells these, tells, tells these men who, who he loves to go into the storm right? And they go. I, I didn't say this in the first service. I forgot. Listen, there was a part, uh, uh, Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. Um, and Peter comes out. First of all, people give P- Peter a bad rap. Uh, oh, he sunk. He sunk. Well, check it. There were more, there were more people in that boat. Ain't nobody else say, I'm going to walk on water. <laughs> like, give him a break. Ain't none of y'all walking out on water. Peter's like, okay, I'll do it if you say come. And he did. So he gets out there. Check this out. The storm is still raging. It's not like he walked out the boat, and it was like glass. He walked out into a raging sea. Maybe he expected Jesus to make it smooth, but he doesn't. Listen, sometimes God will calm the storm. Sometimes he lets that mug rage, and instead calms you. Sometimes. Why? Why? Let's check it. Why? Before we ask why, wait a minute. I, I, I said this. This is a joke, but it was serious. Listen, so th- there's storm, tribulation, trouble, all this happening, right? Now, why? The, 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 you know, the Bible says that, you know, God won't give you anything you can't bear, right? Let me see. Let me see. Wrong. The Bible don't say that, love. The Bible don't say that. I know you've been hearing it for... For ages, Bible don't say God won't ever give you anything you can't bear. You actually, what the, what the verse you're looking for is, 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 is 1 Corinthians 10, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 10, verse 13. I won't tell you what it is. says. You read it for your own benefit, but I can promise you, it don't say what you think it says. God absolutely, habitually gives us things we can't bear. Habitually. He gives us things that are uh, beyond us. Why? this is the why. Verse 33, why would Jesus intentionally command them to enter and engage with struggle and trouble? Verse 33, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. That storm was a teachable moment. After about, about maybe two or so years after this, um, Jesus is going gonna, is gonna to die and ascend to heaven, right? And then these, and then these guys are going to go off and be apostles and, and, and preach and, and, and do all these fantastic things. It was imperative that they knew that all the great things they would do had nothing to do with them. It was God's empowering. They needed to know that. They needed to feel it, what it feels like to be without God. When Peter was out there on the water, the moment he stopped looking and focusing on Jesus and instead of focusing on the winds and waves, he sunk. If they, God forbid, if they had never gone through this and went out into the world trying to preach and teach and doing all these things, they would have failed. We wouldn't have been there because that message would have died in Galilee or wherever they were. They needed to know that they needed Jesus. That is especially important for us. And I'm sure everyone in here who is very talented, who is very gifted, you know, very skilled in some area. It is easy for us to to lean on our own abilities. It's easy because our abilities, our moxie have gotten us far. It really has. So it's not diminishing. It's not being falsely humble like, oh, I'm not good at. No, you are. You're good at what you do. You're good at what you do, but what it takes to do ministry work, stuff that, that, that God wants you to do, that has lasting beyond this life, you need God. You need him. It's not a question. And that's what these disciples needed to know. That's what Peter needed to know. He needed to know that his good, the, the things that he was going to do, that great accomplishments, um, for great accomplishments, there needs to be a great trust. And the one who's able to do great things. So, to the question, and, and I never got back to this in the first service. I forgot. I'm closing. What loving parent, what decent loving parent would purposely allow their children to suffer? Yeah, God would. God would, and He's more most loving of us all. Uh, most loving of us all. He definitely would if it meant that this suffering was imperative to us growing to a place or being in a place for him to, to do his perfect will. He absolutely would, absolutely. A, a long time ago, I read that, uh, that uh, shepherds back in the day um, in Israel or the Middle East, the Mideast, um, if a sheep uh, would go astray and would continue to go astray, a shepherd would break his legs. We wouldn't kill it, we would break his legs seems so horrible in our 2023 minds. But he would. He would break the legs in order to keep the sheep from going off to someplace to be destroyed, eaten by wolves. The legs heal. The legs heal. And some of us, as counter our current times as it sounds, we need, I believe I'm saying this because this is me for me, sometimes we need a leg broken or two. We need a leg broken or two. There's a, um, closing now. Um, there's a song that, uh, that, I, that came to mind uh, when Chris was up here the last time. Um, or when I was up here and I looked at Chris and he helped me out with it. Um, you know, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Uh, very deeply staying within, sinking to rise no more. we get to the butt. who are you Jonah or Peter see when Jonah was faced with his sin or with his disobedience he jumped over the side of the boat but still didn't say okay God help me help me nah he jumped over the side of the boat he still needed three more days to get his get his life right to get his act together and God obliged him because God's will matter that much. Okay, you're not ready to, to turn. I'm going to have you in a fish. I'm going to let you think about it for a minute. And then, if, if you read the rest of the story, which please do, after those three days, he finds like, okay, God, I'll go to Nineveh. I'll do it. But it wasn't until then. Jonah, it took more time in that ocean, in that sea rather. Then we go to Peter. Read. As soon as he started sinking, what does he say? Lord, help me. Save me, please. Jesus in his goodness. And here's the but. It says immediately Jesus comes. Who are you? Jonah or Peter? And I mean this for people who are saved, meaning that you, you've confessed Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You admitted that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and you are walking imperfectly, but you are walking with Christ. I mean that for those who are saved and also those who, who want no business with it. See, for those That are Jonah's, you are in that trying to trying to doggy paddle. Yeah, I'm I'm you know, I'm 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 good. I don't need a savior, you know, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna make it on my own, you know, I'm a good person, you know, with a spiritual mindedness, you know, I'm gonna I'm a, I'm a rub these rocks and stones the right way, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna read, I'm gonna I'm get these self help books, I'm gonna get this, you know, Wayne Dyer, and I'm gonna get this, you know what I'm saying, this, this thing, and this thing to tell me that I'm good enough and I'm smart enough and all this stuff. And, I, you know, and, and you can delude yourself into thinking that you ain't in the sea. Meanwhile, you're drowning. Anime and again, that delusion runs deep, because you have a whole chorus of people saying, "You're not that bad. You're good. You're not that bad." The power to save you is in yourself. Steadily drowning, but then on the other hand, you have people. Myself was one of them, and I, let me let me not let me not let me not lie. I wasn't. I was a Jonah for a minute, because the thing is. I didn't think I was bad. People called me a good dude all the time. Like I wasn't smashing a bunch of girls. I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. wasn't robbing banks. I wasn't knocking over old ladies. Like I was a, I was a good dude. I was a good dude. I didn't get saved until my twenties. You know what I'm saying? Like I was, I was a good guy. Everybody says that. Mothers love me. <laughs> I was a good guy. I was a good guy by my standards. I was a good guy by a lot of people's standards. But you know what's so ignorant when we judge our standards by other broken people? It's like trying to measure a a straight line using a broken ruler. You know what I'm saying? So of course, compared to other people who are going through women and all this other stuff, of course you seem like a good person. But to the only standard that matters, which is God's, we all fall short. And, and it wasn't until I understood that till I reached my hand up. So, I, so I, 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 I say this, not begging, but I say this, I implore you, I implore you, online, in here, you are not, and this is not a shade, this is not a punch to knock you out. If anything, it's a punch to wake you up. You are not good enough to save yourself. You're not, you're not, you are, you are not good enough to be right with God in and of yourself. You're not. Because Jesus says it of himself, I believe it's Matthew 5, believes that, um, be perfect as my Father in heaven's perfect. Any perfect people in here? Any? 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 Right. So that being the case, how could we ever be fully right with God? Here's the but but Christ. Christ gives us his righteousness. He gives us his goodness. He gives us that in his love, in his grace. And if we grab that hand, because it, it is on us, the hand is there, but we have to grab it. We have to grab it. If we grab that hand, Yes, I acknowledge that I'm in a sea and I'm drowning. I can't make it without you. And that's not that's not being weak. Actually, it is being weak. But it's being a weakness that displays strength. That, that sounds like so much of a contradiction. But in, in God's economy, that's what we call a paradox. Two seemingly contra- contradictory things actually not being contradictory. In our weakness, it's then we're made strong. We we reach up, and that is when Christ in his goodness lifts us up. I'd implore you, if you don't know who Jesus is, man, <sighs> look, there are books about him. Yeah. You know, read up, book up, talk to somebody, man. And be honest with yourself, because listen, and I'll, I'll land a plane on this. <laughs> Before I was saved, I, you know, I had read bits and pieces of the Bible, and in my ignorance, I thought I knew all, the, all I needed to know to know that that Christianity was for the birds. Again, I was a good dude. Like people, old ladies telling me, oh, you need to be saved. I'm like, saved from what? I'm good. Like, what are you, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and and, and what actually happened, it wasn't the Bible in and of itself that convinced me. It was actually being honest with my own self that yes, I do good things. But man, if, if there was a video player of the stuff that goes on in my mind, in my heart, bro, I'm wretched. I am wretched. Boy, I I can shake somebody's hand and wish they died, man. Not literally, but sometimes literally. (laughs) And in knowing that, that was what convinced me, if God is good, if God is perfect, bro, I grossly fall short. And that's what made me revisit this. So lastly, again, you, please, please, please grab the hand. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. May your struggles keep you near the cross. May your troubles show that you need God. May your battles end the way they should. This is the hard one. May your bad days prove that God is good may our whole life prove that God is good hear me may your struggles prove that God is good it don't make sense but it does may your hardships prove that God is good may your suffering Prove that God is good. May our disappointments prove that God is good. And, And Father, we will give you glory. Father, we thank you, Lord. You all, we got. Some of us have been swimming for a long time, and we have deluded ourselves in thinking that we're making ground, but we're still in the middle. We ain't by Tarshish, and we ain't by Nineveh. We're in the middle, but we fooled ourselves into thinking that we don't need nobody but me, or my self-help, or my mind, or whatever it is, anything but you, and Father, we need you. We need you for life. We need you for breath. We need you, Father. So, Father, I'm asking, Lord, and I have no no basis. I have have no, uh, there's nothing in me that deserves outside of Christ to ask you this. But I'm asking, Father, that you help us, Lord. Help us, Father. Because we need you, Lord. We, We know family members that need you, Lord. We know friends that need you, Lord. And they don't know it. They looking at us like we crazy. We on a ship. and They looking at us like we crazy. But Father, they need you. So we're asking in your mercy and grace, leave your hand out there, Father. Keep them in that fish a little longer if they need be, Lord. Keep us in that fish if we need it, Lord. Gosh, that's so hard to say. Thank you for the breaking. Thank you for the suffering. Gosh, thank you for the sorrow. Thank you for the disappointment, Father. Yeah. for we know we can trust and we're trusting you. That's the only way any of this works. We're trusting you that even in all of those bad days, you will remain good. We thank you and we love you. Jesus name amen, amen.